Devotees, how are you? Um, you must be a devotee if you're still sticking around because I know we've been gone for a while. This is Chris, and of course, you're listening to Fancy Plants Podcast. This is episode 29. Here with Sue. Hello. And Amanda. Hello. And I got to tell you guys, like, we've been busy, man. Oh, it's been crazy. <laughs> the last, what, three weeks, month have been a wild ride. Wild ride. Wild ride. It's true. But we're back now. Absolutely. Here we are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and thanks for your uh, patience while you wait. And we did uh, even receive messages and all sorts of stuff while we were kind of on hiatus. So thanks for those. Uh, and for those of you who missed us dearly, just know we missed you too. We did. It was super <laughs> sweet. Like those messages was just like, oh man, we got to get together. <laughs> I know. It was, it gave it a, like um. Not a refreshing because it's not like we were falling out of it, but it just, you know, every it just boosted the energy to want to do it some more because there was lots of lots of people. We miss you and hope you guys are okay. And hey, are you here this week? <laughs> yeah. Hey, where's your episode? Uh 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 sorry. <laughs> yeah, so we apologize. It's just um had a moment for and it was all three of us that were just busy. Yeah, but we're back. So that's cool. Okay. How how are you guys doing? I'm gonna tell you know what? Let me tell you a funny story. Okay, so I bought a grow tent. I've seen that. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. For uh to grow some hot peppers, because you can't do that outside here very successfully, or at least I probably can't. So I have, you know, lots of hot pepper seeds coming and it's really exciting. And I have this tent and I have a uh four bulb, four foot wide fluorescent grow light inside of it it's my old light from my old house and i hooked it up to a wi-fi um power bar and i already have one upstairs in my office to run my grow lights and i really love them they're super great uh you set it up on your phone and away you go and and they're it's awesome so i'm excited actually i just ordered one of those I'm oh, like, yeah yeah so good and it was so cheap on amazon the tent honestly it was like 100 bucks it's four feet by however big it is like five feet tall like it's it's good so the way that my husband has the basement run for power is there's a lot of power bars around because it's an unfinished basement. And a lot of the power bars um, are hooked up to the light switches. So I would come down and I would try to run this Wi-Fi power bar. And every time I would come downstairs, I'd flick on the light without realizing that the power bar was attached to the light switch. And so I'd get, I'd get kind of upset. I'd be like, hey, why is this light not working? Because I was trying to test <laughs> to see like how hot the tent would be when the light was running. But then I started to get a little freaked out because every time I'd come downstairs, the light would flick on and I'd be like, uh, is what? it going to burn down my house? Oh my God. <laughs> and, but you know, what's really funny is I did think that, but not before I thought, is there a ghost in here? <laughs> <laughs> I would have thought the same thing. I, I don't really believe in ghosts. And I think, you know, this just kind of solidifies for me that I'm, I'm comfortable in that belief. But there was a part of me that was just like, Who's trying to say hello to me? Am I going to have to go downstairs and be like, go toward the light? Well, or, you do live pretty you know? close to the graveyard. I do. I'm like 200 feet from the graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was my story. And now I, and I remember the very distinct thought 
coming into my head uh, a few times after I tried to make this work. Chris, it's attached to the light switch. And the the thought just kind of busted right into my brain. And I was like, yep, yeah, that's me. Just not really paying enough attention. So then I told Richard and he fixed it for me. I don't know what he did, but it's all better now. He probably just plugged it into a different plug, but okay. Yeah, he ha- but he had to do something because... There's not very many outlets down here. Oh, so he had to do like some serious. Re- He's a good man. I know, right? Yeah, it's true. It's yes. true. So that's my uh, my scary light tent story because <laughs> I'd come down at night when it was all dark and late, and <laughs> this light would just like flick on, or I would hear the um, power bar like do the clicking sound where it's like turning yeah. off and on, and I'm like, okay, well I. Is someone trying to say hello to me because I don't really want to talk Kudos to them. Kudos to you, though, for being able to come down in the basement in the dark. Because I don't know about you guys, but like I was that kid who couldn't pull the string in the basement and then walk up the stairs like a normal human being. Because like the boogeyman was going to eat me. Like there was no doubt in my mind. <laughs> um, I'm a full blown adult and I still am like that down oh, the yeah. stairs. Because yeah. like we just moved to like an old house. We've always had new houses. And it was, it's like a 41, 42 year old house. And yeah, I still have to like. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. Switch I still and run up the, up the stairs. stairs at the same time. <laughs> I agree. Older houses are scarier for that for some reason. I don't know why, but I will say this. I worked for years to be calm going up the stairs in the dark. So I'm good now. I can do it. It's fine. And I think I read something somewhere online that was kind of a meme or whatever. And it said, yeah, so um, does that mean that all of your friends essentially escape the boogeyman when they're going leaving the basement in the dark? Like <laughs> That door just what stops that bad thing yeah, from coming Yeah, they're faster after than I am. Of course. <laughs> they like the dark basements. Oh. Any of my slow friends didn't live that long. That's how that worked. <laughs> yeah. You just got to be faster than them. Yeah, I'm fine. You know what? I'm okay so long as it's not like the the open basement stairs that you can see through to the other side. Oh, yeah. Ankle grabbers. Yeah, are under there. there. Something is going to reach through those stairs like and grab me. People under the stairs. Uh, yeah. Well, that's that's my story. I, it freaked <laughs> me out, and then I realized later that I'm a 44 year old person who does not need to be afraid of the basement. Yeah, I work on it. Yeah, it, okay. it, it, you do have to work on it. I yeah. don't know why, but you yeah. do. I have like a hole in the side of the wall in my basement because there's only like two windows, one in the laundry room and one in the one bedroom. And then there's a hole that goes into the crawl space where the addition was built. And that hole scares me still. Like when we were trying to look for a cat that was missing because he crawled in there and got lost in the duck system. He, um, I had to go in there and look for him. And I was like, I had to have pep talks. You're grown up. There is no boogeyman that lived yep. under here for a hundred years. <laughs> there is no troll that's going to come and eat your soul. Just you're okay. But I still, you, you still have to. Those dark spaces, and especially in older places, or if I lived by a graveyard. Now imagine if you had an old house and you lived by a graveyard. Yeah, right. Like, I think that I... would like heighten the freakiness. <laughs> my my dad totally freaked me out when I was younger because this house that he lived in in Calgary. Uh, at one point, just like conversationally, he's like, well, yeah, there was people murdered in this house previously. And I was never OK with being alone in the house again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ever. No. Don't blame you. My, oh, man. The my rent f- was really cheap, though. So <laughs> there, you yeah. go. there you go. So, Sue, you're all you're all moved into your house then. I am. I am. That was an adventure. 
um, but yeah, we live in an acreage out in the woods. We have deer that come up and irritate my dog and birds and trees and I got windows everywhere. I love it. But it just hasn't quite felt like home just yet. Yeah, that takes some time. And I have to say, honestly, I think like scary freaky wise for me, I feel like I'd rather live beside this graveyard than without anybody around me. Do you find the quiet is disconcerting? You know what's so weird? Because we lived in the city for 15 years. And you forget, like I grew up on acreages and out by farms and stuff like that. But you forget how dark it is out in the country. And like you go camping, but there's other, usually when you go camping, there's other campers around and everything. So I guess that kind of, you know, you still get a little light noise pollution from them. But when you're out and it's dark and there's just like trees everywhere and you can see all the stars and you turn out all the lights. So our house is, it's big. And we, it takes me a lot of time to flick off all the lights. It is dark. Like Jeff and I laid in bed and we're like, it is so dark. Our first night. And he's like, yeah, it's really dark. And then all of a sudden on our shop, speaking about freaky stories, our motion sensor light goes off and our bedroom faces the shop. So the motion sensor light goes off and then it goes on and then it goes off and then it goes on. And I'm like, what is causing that? So we're spying, we're looking. And then I started thinking like, what if all of a sudden it came on and like right at my patio doors, because my bedroom's patio doors is a face. And then I was like, oh, why did I think that? Why yeah. did I think that? <laughs> Dude, I, yes, I yeah, get that. Right? Like yeah. I, I'd be done. I'd be like, gone. I see ya. I didn't sleep. On top of the stress, short story, long story short, we just uh, moved into a flood. Like as we were mo- got there with movers, moving truck and the basement was flooding. So anxiety is high, stress is high. And then I didn't sleep for a couple nights because of that. Now I'm like, whatever, it's probably a mouse. Yeah, exactly. No, I I hate it when those like scary movie thoughts get into your head because they're really hard to get out. I know. Oh, yeah. My my dog does it to me. If Cole's gone overnight, he'll lay at the back door. And then I don't know if he sees his reflection in the window or what happens, but he'll start barking his face off. And I'm like, here's a 70 pound dog that's freaked out. I'm like looking for something, some sort of way. Like I've got a can of aerosol spray (laughs) and a rolling pin. I'm like, I'm good. I'm really good. I had a thought about that. So we got, is it called Marifil? Is that what it's called? Marfil, yeah. Marfil. So I know you have some and I have some. And so I don't know if you have any yet, but no, it is a soil enhancer that is very natural and it has lots of like, I don't know, water stuff in it, like ocean stuff in it. Is yeah, that? Yeah. So what I was thinking is if you don't want, if you want to protect your home, but you're not a violent person, just put some of this stuff in a spray bottle. And spray the person with it, and I can tell you right now, <laughs> they're they're <laughs> not gonna like will that. Be the stink. Yeah, they're not gonna <laughs> like that at all. See, the smell of the marfil doesn't bother me, but like fish fertilizer, you can get like Alaskan yeah. fish fertilizer. Oh, I have some. It, it it's it's it smells like death. I'm not allowed to use it in the house. I don't think I'd be able to either. Like this stuff is pushing it. Yeah, and and it's not even that bad. Like Richard actually, he's very sensitive smell. I don't know why. Um. So I'm like, well, just so you know, like I have this stuff and it was before I smelled it. Uh, he's like, well, I'll smell it. And so he opened it. He's like, OK, well, it's not that bad. Like When you smell it full concentration, it's kind of like, whoa. Mm-hmm. He's like, what did he say? It smells like <laughs> I don't mean I'm using the F word again. 
smells like a methane fart. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, you won't mind that at all then because that's just. Is there a different or... kind of fart other than a methane fart? Well, yeah, I think that there are, but I don't think that's a different <laughs> podcast. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure we should get into that. But yeah, so I actually, once you dilute it into water, it's not that bad. And it goes away in like an hour. Like Yeah, it's not terrible. I was just yeah. going to say when I use my fish fertilizer stuff. I've, I notice it that day, like, if I, especially if I go outside and then come back in, I can mm. kind of notice it in the plants, but I, it's not bad. Like the next day you don't notice nope, it. My, my truck driving farting husband who can <laughs> sit there and <laughs> <laughs> just made Chris snort. <laughs> I was to say, I think that might've been our first snort. Uh, <laughs> on the podcast. On the yeah, podcast. Yeah. Well, like he can sit in the living room and him and the dog are farting up a storm and he's totally cool with it. I open a bottle of fish fertilizer in the basement. He's like, what is that smell? <laughs> I'm like, all right. Yeah, that's my husband too. It, uh, it stinks unless it's his. Yeah. I've never smelled the fish fertilizer, but. We'll it see. smells like death. Like it really does. It's heinous. Yeah. So Amanda, you've been planting trees. I have been. How is that going? I'm tired. <laughs> I think I work just short of 75 hours and five days this week. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. I've been into work at six o'clock in the morning and not getting home till 730 at night. That's your like, I can't. I, can't. I don't have a choice. <laughs> I haven't checked my email in eight days. Oh, gross. You're in for a yeah. big shocker then, I, I, I think. I have not had time. <laughs> like literally I, I've let my regional manager know that if anything important comes out he should probably tell me because mm -hmm. I I'm not gonna know yeah that's so foreign to me because as a having the job that I have my whole world is computers yeah it's computers it's phones it's tablets it's this mixing equipment it's like it's the whole thing and I a part of me is so curious about what it would be like to have a job where I have none of this it's it's interesting, right? Because it's um, it's a lot of get up and go. Like I get in there at six o'clock in the morning. I am straight up to the like I check our computer system, make sure all our temperatures are good. I've gone for a drive through the site. I've checked to make sure that we've got inflation in all the greenhouses, all the lights that are supposed to be on are on. And then I'm straight up to the seed room. I stop and scratch the cat, though, because she's really freaking cute. Obviously. Um, <laughs> straight up to the seed room. And I've got to process all the seed for the day because it's got to soak for 24 hours in water before you can seed it. And then I dye it so that it's easier for the, the people on the seeder to see. If I don't get that done, we don't run for the day. Mm. And we're planting half a million trees a day. That's nuts. Yeah. I know my son because we live out that way now and he went into Beaver Lodge and he's like mom did you see that massive greenhouse in Beaver Lodge like why don't you ever go there and I was like because it's a tree planting place I'm like <laughs> that's where Amanda works and she grows baby trees for tree planters to plant and other such places he was like there's like hundreds of greenhouses it's not hundreds of greenhouses <laughs> but they're huge the greenhouses oh, yeah. are huge yeah my the greenhouses are anywhere between 150 and 200 feet long wow I've got 28 of those. And then we've got a gutter to gutter connect range facility. So it's like a greenhouse, except um, they're all cr crammed together and they're just connected by the roots. And that has the same square footage as all 28 of my greenhouses combined. Mm -hmm. Crazy. We've seeded uh, 15 million trees so far. 
and everybody's working on seeding. So it's like the crop is is mine to look after. And that so it's that's like a lot of responsibility. Yep, it is. <laughs> and I don't get to leave until I know that they're safe. Yeah, it's for sure. not it, because tree seed is so highly regulated and our year is very, very defined. I have to have the trees planted by a certain date. The seed has to stratify for almost a month. So it's got to sit in the fridge so that it breaks dormancy. And that it's not like if we mess this up, we can just get new seed and start again tomorrow. Mm. It's done. You're, See, you're, you got a write off for the year. So you can't just walk in there with a big old bag of seed and just start throwing seeds in no, the air. No, like I wish. Money. And it's, uh, tree seed is actually worth more per ounce than gold. Really? Yeah. Huh. That is super interesting. It is terrifying. And terrifying. I'm walking down a set of stairs with three bags of seed in my arm. I only got two hands. I'm like, oh, just don't fall. I don't care if I fall down the stairs, but don't fall down the stairs with the seed. I'd kind of like a necklace made out of tree seed, so I could just be like, it's more expensive than a gold one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, just jumping back to you, talking about soaking the seeds. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm learning about growing hot peppers. And one of the things that I've been um, reading about is soaking the seeds in saltpeter. Okay, that's a new one to me. Yeah. So potassium nitrate, I guess. Yeah. And so um, you actually, it's it's used in explosives. It, it, it is. So I, I was like, just yeah. got a skid of fertilizer at work the other day. I had to sign a bunch of explosive yeah, cards. Right. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to get some of this stuff and I'm going to try it. Um, and it does, I can't remember what it does to the seed. I can, I'll remember another day, but you um, soak it in this stuff, but you can only buy like a certain amount. Oh yeah. And yeah. so I ordered like two single gram bags of saltpeter <laughs> and you can use a gram for like a hundred milliliters of water. So like a gram it goes, a, goes long way. a long way, yeah. but it does something to help the seed. Oh, I remember it. It does something to help the seed shed its shell. Yeah. Once it, it's out of the ground. It softens the seed coat once it's out of the ground. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So the other way that you can make it sh uh, seeds shed their seed coat, like, um, so when your seed comes up, you get your first two leaves. Those are your seed leaves. They're not actually true leaves. And that's why they look similar. And that's where mm. you get into the monocots and dicots and what, whatever. That's not a napping cots. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I wish. <laughs> oh, I could go for a napping cot. Um, but uh, you get those seed leaves, and if your shell stays on for too long, you'll get um, brown spots on the edge of your leaf. And seed shells are actually notoriously dirty. Um, yeah, because I'm supposed to soak them in peroxide as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And 3% peroxide, and they'll have a, a time length as well. Yep. And that uh, the peroxide kills fusarium, which is going to start, that's when you hear seeds damp off. Okay. Uh, fusarium is what causes that generally. And you can find fusarium in soil. And you can find fusarium on seed coats. Fusarium sounds like something you would find in a sci-fi movie. And it's like the holy grail of the whole movie. Absolutely. That is, <laughs> except it's not in greenhouses. You find fusarium, you're like, the sky is falling. And, that, and then so you break out the fungicides. and Well... The moral of the story here is I'm hoping that these seeds will germinate well because I will have starter plants for you ladies as well. Sounds because wonderful. Because I ordered a crazy amount of seeds that I will never fit all in my grow tent. So I'm going to 
definitely have to share. <laughs> well, I have a greenhouse now, so I definitely would take some. Awesome. Because I think I'm very excited about that. I'm lazy. I'm just going to plant them in the greenhouse at work. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. My lemon tree at work has got a whole bunch of new growth on it. It's so happy. My rosemary's starting to bloom. My nice. strawberries are back up. Nice. It's good. Nice. Good time. Good it was time. eight degrees in my greenhouse today. I was like, ooh, I wish I could plant in there already. The sun is getting more power here now. Yeah. Now and it's funny how fast that happens, actually. Yeah, we actually call that solar gain at work. Okay. So uh, one of my greenhouses at work that right now is currently heated to 10 degrees was 32.5 today. Oh, wow. That little guy right there gets up to like 26 degrees with the light on. That is perfect yeah. for germination. Yay. That's good. Um. Okay, well, let's move on to a new topic. Uh, and I think, I thought this was so cute because we all have this. And that is plants you bring home to die. Oh, yeah. I've got a few of those. Me too. Yeah. So yeah. what do you bring home to die? Well, <laughs> I, I'm getting better. But I, every once in a while, I can't help it when at the Calathea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you're just like, oh, look at your big, beautiful colored on your leaves and you're like, like a peacock just fanning your tail out. You're beautiful. You need to come home and die. And yeah. so I bring Calathea home every once in a while. I'm getting better at saying no to myself. I have brought many succulents home to die and I don't kill them. I don't think like normal people. I don't kill them because I overwater them. I usually kill them because they get set off to the side so I don't overwater them. And then like eight months later, I'm like, oh yeah, I could have put you outside. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're shriveled up into nothing. I almost feel like succulents are uh, sacrificial now, to be honest. You know what? They're a shockingly difficult plant to grow, especially uh, in northern, like, northern climates. Yeah. We our day length varies so much. I think if you were somewhere warmer where your day length is um, more even throughout the mm -hmm. year, I think yeah. they'd get used to that. But they get used to our, you know, 20 hour days in the summer. And then you're like, hey, here's four hours light in the winter. Have yeah. fun. And it's going to drop about seven degrees where you're sitting. So have fun with that little yeah. succulent. I think they're just for outside here in the summer now. And I, really? used yeah, to absolutely. Have, I used to have like a massive succulent collection, like a hundred or so. Um, and I had grow lights and the whole setup and whatever. And then I just got bored of them. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, you can go outside. Bye. It, it is boring to have a plant that you don't really have to take care of. I mean, I have cactus and I love them and I don't. I mean, I haven't watered them probably for two, three months, but I'll probably start watering them just because we have so much light in that house that they're probably going, what is this? Um, so I will probably give them a little bit of water here soon. But I mean, it, it's kind of, if I just had cactuses, I think I'd get bored with them. Okay, so we all know I have a vendetta for succulent, about succulents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, so here's the reason why I don't like succulents. I don't like plants that you put on a shelf and you can't see from the pot. Like no, succulents, you, you succulents, you got to walk up to and you got to look down on them and to appreciate the fact that they're actually really stunning. Yeah. Maybe if you have some sort of complex where you have to like tower over things. Yeah. No, and, and that's, I want to be able to sit on my couch and look at a shelf and go, oh, that plant is beautiful. Or look at a shelf and go, oh, I should water that. <laughs> yeah. Succulents are just there flat in their pot. You're like, 
you have to have them just below eye level to see them. I think it depends on the succulent, though. Like, you can get ones that grow a little bit taller. But I love it when, like, Greptovias, is that, I'm probably saying that wrong. I haven't said it in a long time. But they kind of spill over the pot and, like. See, and that I like. Like, I've got a string of turtles at home, which Mm. is not actually a succulent, but whatever. Um, And I've got my agave collection, and they grow up, right? And I'm just like, oh, yeah, they're wonderful. Yeah, but a lot of succulents, for them to look nice, they kind of sit flat with the pot. Yeah. Like, so that you don't see them. And they're great for outside. And I'm with Chris on that. I'm kind of at the point now where I'm like, you know what? I'll buy you in the summer and um, you'll die in the winter. So have fun with me. I got it. It's a graptopedalum. Okay. They're also called the leather petal, apparently. I've never heard of that. But they, like... I really like it when they're old, but the problem here is you can't get them to be old because you're always like, here's a light or here's like inside yeah. or outside or whatever. Yeah. So it's not like somewhere nice and dry and deserty where you could grow these in pots and they just like kind of just spill get huge. beautifully. I want to live somewhere where I can have an agave that's like three feet wide me in my too. front yard. Oh, you know, you too. hurt yourself on that. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I, I will give it a blood sacrifice if that's what we need to do. <laughs> Yeah, I would love that very much. I would love that very, very much. You guys just have to phone me in every week. It'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just make sure that you and the agave are still friends. So Amanda, what are you bringing home to die lately? Uh, You know what? I've got a couple of things that I bring home to die. And I will be honest, nine times out of 10, they are those beautiful grocery store plants that you walk past. You're like, oh, Oh, I love it. I can grow that. You know, the blue uh, baby tears, the pilea baby tears? Oh, yeah, And it's kind of got a, a tiny blue, shimmery blue leaf, and it's got that red stem on it. I love them. They're beautiful. I kill them. Yeah. Like, they just, I'm like, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Why did you self-destruct? <laughs> I was like that with polka dot plants at the grocery store. I, I love them still. They're so pretty, full of color. But I also hate them because I bring them home, and they die. They dry out once, and they're like, head never coming back. Yeah. Like, that's just what they do. This is your karma. Yeah. yeah. Bye. And they also suck if you overwater them. Oh, yeah. I the, can't deal with plants like that. Like The other one I kill is spider plants. Yeah, yeah. me too. I, it's a thing. Me too. I, I don't know what it is with spider plants, but I keep trying because my husband, I had one that was doing really well and then it died and my husband was like, I miss that plant. So we bought a new spider plant that had way more babies on it and I actually really like it because it's full of babies. And well, we'll see how it's doing. It, it isn't looking like it's going downhill anymore, but for a while there it was before we, just before we moved. You can do it. Yeah. Well, now it's like, it gets lots of light, but no direct light. So I think maybe it likes that a lot. I've walked up to more than one spider plant with a pair of scissors and I just grabbed a handful of like dried leaves that are like, mm-hmm. I, I, how are, do they have the tensile strength that they have? I don't <laughs> know what it is about sp- dead spider plant leaves. But you can't pull them off. No, like you, you could tie together a ship with that stuff. Like it just, no. Yeah. Grab big could, handfuls of leaves with scissors and I'm just like, it's fine. I'm going to start a new business. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Dead yeah. spider plant I leaves. I have a... My ponytail palm. I love them. And it was doing so great. And I don't know. It's going downhill. And then since we moved, it is really good. It's basically a ponytail straw right nice, now. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll probably keep it until it like implodes on itself because that's how I, how I roll with dead plants that I like. 
I, I will admit, though, that I do kill a lot of stuff when I'm learning new plants. So like when I started in on orchids, I'm like, maybe it lives. Maybe it does. So you were, you were willing to kind of let it go if necessary. Well, and you know what? I walk into any new species like that. Like, you know, when I first started getting agaves, I was like, you know what? If they die, they die. I, I just really love this plant and I'm not going to not get it because I don't know how to grow it. Fair enough. I'm with you, Sue, with the Calathea. Uh, I had a, I keep buying a collection and then I keep killing them. And it's not on purpose. I just, I need plants that will be forgiving when I don't water them all the time right away. Even though I am getting better, I have a pothos upstairs. I think it's a, it's either like a glacier or an enjoy or something like that. It's one of the more variegated ones. Nice. It's dead because <laughs> it, it just, can't be tolerant of what I I needed to be more tolerant and there it wasn't and it died. I find anything that's got a lot of white or pink, like a lot of color on the leaves, they're way less forgiving. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I like plants that want attention, but just a little bit. Yeah, like my house plants need to be like a cat. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm here. All right, bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good to see you. Although I am proud to say that I did buy that soil enhancer and i am looking forward to seeing what happens and then all of the plants in my office are almost all of them are growing crazy right now um because of the lights and the humidifier so yeah. oh yeah and good. like the just with that little bit of extra daylight we have i'm like everything's blooming yes yeah i have a lot of plants that since we moved they get a lot of like east north and south light kind of all all of it at once and they are looking good they're like it only we've only been there for a little over a week now and you can tell they're just like yeah this is i'm happy here nice yeah so i'm gonna get some blooms and i'm pretty happy nice i, I hope i get some blooms i shouldn't say i'm going to oh you're going to yeah i staggered into my office at i don't know 7 15 this morning because you know i got to sleep in today uh not because we had alarms going off at work so my work phone was ringing like crazy so i stagger into my office and trying to get the computer awake so I can log on to see if I have to put it on, you know, pants. And <laughs> Saturday, pants. And, uh, you know, I'm like, what is, something smells, what's blooming? So I had to go through all my shelves because my plants are so neglected right now. And I actually, my mini bell, my Hoya mini oh, bell nice. is blooming like crazy. Nice. My modus guy is about to bloom. Nice. Yeah. That'll be nice. It's, awesome. yeah. my, it's my favorite flower just because i really love white flowers and they're a little bit bigger than other hoya flowers and i like that too plus they smell amazing so usually while it's blooming i'll bring it up and put it in the bedroom nice just like so we can have that nice smell i like it so much nice cole does not like the way hoya flowers smell doesn't matter what kind it is he's like i don't know about that <laughs> i got one that smells like chocolate that's the only one he's okay with oh uh, i think they all smell so different and but some of them have that like old Starbucks cups that yeah. in your car in the sun kind of smell after Ugh. a while. Yeah, there's a whole lot that smell like that. And I'm just like, yeah, I know some people say butterscotch, but I'm not there. It does, I, to me, it does it when they first open and they kind of have that strongest scent. But then after that, yeah, bad coffee milk with caramel with sweetener in it. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very much like a caramel macchiato. It smells great when you get it, not four days later. No, not once it's been sitting in the hot sun in your car. Chris has got a look on her face, so. Yeah. She, you know intense. why? You know why? I'm so excited to get into our main topic 
which is weird plants because I have a really weird plant. Um, it's not only weird because of what it is, but it's also interesting, uh, some of the history behind it. So yeah, I just am feeling like I'm so excited to talk about it. Okay, go for it. Okay. Let us I'm know. I'm excited. Because okay. okay. <laughs> you haven't told us what it is yet either. Uh, so our main topic today, weird plants. And uh, I was taking a look around the internet to see, hey, what's weird? And I stumbled across what is the biggest flower in the world. Um, it is, it grows in the rainforests of Borneo and Sumatra. And it's kind of gross. Uh, <laughs> so it's the largest single flower in the world. It can grow to three feet long and it can get up to 24 pounds or 11 kilograms. Corpse flower? Um, so actually, some people do call it a corpse flower, but it's not the one you're thinking of. Okay. This is a Rafflesia arnoldii. Okay. Oh. And it is, it looks like, okay. So imagine you have a watermelon. And yep. you take all of the red, or sorry, you take all of the green and white off the outside of the watermelon. Okay. So you're just left with like the red the, part. The pink, yeah. And then you actually hollow that out and you leave a big hole in the top and you hollow it out. So it looks like this emptied watermelon with no rind. Okay, so I just got a totally different picture on there, but that's a different podcast and we need to make that 18 plus. <laughs> but I'm not done because it also has petals. Okay. Yeah, so... Rafflesia arnoldii, definitely recommend a Google on that because it is the weirdest looking flower I've ever seen. It looks like something from like a Super Mario game. Neat. Okay. Yeah. So I'm all right with that. So very interesting to look at. And so there are like larger flowers, but they tend to be groups of flowers rather than one single flower, which is what this is. Okay, neat. It is a parasitic plant. Oh, cool. That love, lives on I other parasitic plants. parasitic right? plants. It lives on other parasitic plants. Uh, and I couldn't tell you what they are, but it's like parasitic inception. Parasitic. Yeah. So <laughs> what was that again? Pardon? <laughs> so it's a, not only is it like this weird flower, um, it smells, as you can imagine. So it, it is one of those flowers that is like, you don't, it smells like rotting meat. And so, of course, Sexy. just like, right? So, just like any flower like that, it attracts flies and beetles to be its pollinators. Now, these flowers are interesting because they are either male or female. Okay. And in order to pollinate or to go to seed or whatever the, you, you know what the term is, um, they have to visit in the, order to have sex. Thank you. They have to visit the male flower first and then the female flower. Okay, so then do they smell at different times of day? I couldn't, that I'm not sure, but that they would make must. sense. That it would, would, it, it, it would make it, sense. Yeah. Um, so that has to happen. About 20%, up to 20% of the seedlings will germinate after the deed is done. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they bloom, hopefully, within nine months. Oh, that's fast. Yeah. That's so like a human. It's super, it's, it's a super, it, that's true, actually. <laughs> I, um, I, I was getting uh, rather human-like images when uh, Chris was describing that. So I, I don't know. <laughs> so I, like I say, I do recommend a Google on that because it is, it's hard to describe. And once you see it, you're like, oh yeah, I get it now. Uh, and it's terrifying looking, to be perfectly honest with you, because I mean, it's huge. So imagine, you are, imagine it is the year 1797. You are a French explorer named Louis-Auguste Deschamps, and you are on a French scientific expedition around the Asia and Pacific area. He identified a lot of plants. He's actually pretty cool. Well, this is a really interesting story, and I wish I could tell the whole thing, but I don't think that we have time. Uh, but so in 19, 
uh, sorry, 1797, he took uh, some specimens, he took some notes on this flower. And um, now I'm, I was trying to put myself in his shoes where you're in this like hot, wet rainforest and you're walking around and you stumble across this extremely otherworldly flower that smells disgusting. Um, I was just kind of trying to put myself in his shoes and be like, wow. That would be wild. So wild. So wild. So he took all the specimens and notes. And a year later, uh, because French or French, France and Britain were at war, the British actually took his ship over in 1798 and everything was conf- confiscated. So, okay. So he no longer had access to this and it, the, the British took it. So those documents actually disappeared until about 1860. They came up for sale and it was the British Museum of Natural History who purchased these documents, but then they were quote unquote lost again. So they were missing until almost 100 years later in 1954. They were found again at the museum. Uh, and there's some thoughts that maybe they were kind of accident, not accidentally hidden because of the rivalry and the uh, between the French and the British when it came to discovering this one particular flower. Oh, and there's there's like the rivalry and like naming and discovering plants. It's it's cutthroat. So there is a lot more to that story that I couldn't get into today. But you're right. So things are people are like naming it this and they're naming it that and things are being hidden and people are discovering it and are not discovering it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it was like, like, it's a wild ride. I'm not going to lie. So the question then that some people ask is like, were these notes hidden because of this glory of discovery? Which is interesting because in 1818, uh, an English surgeon collected specimens. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so maybe it was about 20 years after the original so I bet you those original specimens are in a herbarium somewhere. Like you, you, you could probably, you know, see them. Well, that's kind of what I was wondering. And so next time I go to London, I'm assuming it's London, wherever the British Museum of Natural History is, you can bet your dollars I'm going to see if I can find out more about this. Cause I take think, me with you. Oh, I think it's super interesting. I'm just like so excited all of a sudden. I'm like, take me with <laughs> you. So my conclusion to this story, I'm leaving a lot out. So if that sounds interesting to you, you should definitely do some more reading on it. Um, but now, and Amanda, maybe you would know about this as well. It seems like historians are now actually trying to discover the truth behind these discoveries and who actually discovered them. So uh, in 1999, there was a British botanical historian named David Maberly, and he uh, had attempted some uh, name con- conservation when it came to all the names and actually figuring out what is this plant named? Who discovered it first? Um, and some of that history. So, and actually, um, it, it's really funny because I actually kind of know what may be behind that. So, when they were coming up with a a oh, system to name plants, because the rivalry is so fierce between different countries, um, when they used like they adopted binomial nomenclature, Linaus's system. Yep. Uh, they had to have a series of rules to determine what the name of a plant actually is. So, uh, and because plants, we all know that, you know, all four of us have a spider plant, they're all four going to look different. Mm-hmm. So because plants can look different depending on which habitat they grow in, you know, 
uh, you might find a plant and say, this is Chris's plant. Sue finds a plant and says, this is Sue's plant. I find a plant and says, this is Amanda's plant. Well, how are we going to determine? We, you know, research has gone on. It's 25 years later or 50 or 100 years later. We've decided that all three of these plants are the same plant. Right. So how do you determine who, what name it is? Exactly. And that's exactly what I was reading about. And it's so confusing because everyone's like, well, it should be named this or that or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, well. (laughs) So the way the rules work is that whomever discovered the plant first, that is the name that all the other discoveries then need to take. Mm -hmm. So then you're like, but, but. No, I found it first. So it, there's this huge rivalry. And I don't know what it, botanists are. They're next level. <laughs> they're terrifying. They're, they're, they're amazing. But so I, I think that this is an excellent uh, example of exactly that. Yeah. Because it is such a, a statement plant. Oh, right? absolutely. So, yeah. And. If you, I mean, I would encourage anyone out there listening to do a little bit of reading into it because it's fascinating. I could, we could have a whole entire episode on this one plant. Absolutely. And it's history. Well, that's my weird plant. So that's a good uh, weird plant. I really like that one. Now I'm going to go home and geek out on binomial nomenclature. You should because it is a hot mess. Well, and you know, like a more, um, like it's it's still a thing. Like you know, everybody's uh, DS seventy Burton A. Yes. Like people, are like, why is this plant's name changing? Well, it's because botanists are crazy. It's almost like a soap opera. It is. It right? really is. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Okay. Who else has got a weird plant for us? Well, I'm gonna pick a new one because mine was really close to yours. So I'm gonna get Amanda to go. <laughs> okay. So um, I really fell in love with the common name of this plant. And we all know that common names depend on where you are in the world, but whatever. This one here is called Happy Alien Flowers. Aw. It's uh, Calicularia uniforia. Or sorry, uniflora. Yeah, foria, flora. You know, I'm just practicing my Latin over here. <laughs> um, and Calicularias are actually, uh, a lot of them are slipper flowers, that sort of stuff. The blooms on this one to me look like um, bees or or moths or like they're just uh, Chris has looked up a picture now and she just had smiley eyes. It, you know what? When you change the angle of viewing this flower, it changes what you kind of um, think it looks like. Like in one way to me, it looks like a little mouse sitting there with its hands out and being like, hey, I'm cute. And the other one looks like you're squeezing a hamster too hard and his eyes are <laughs> popping out. So just take another look around it if you think it looks yeah. weird. Like they're they're just like they've got such wild, uh, you know, flowers on them and they've got this bright white stripe on them and they're they're quite red. Uh, they were originally discovered by Charles Darwin. And I have a soft spot for Darwin. I just really, really do. Um. They grow in a cooler environment. They're kind of native to the southern tip of South America. I always think of South America as being hot, but I guess the further south you go, the colder it gets. It's much like us. That makes sense. Yeah. They are, they grow on rocks and near rocks. They've got a very, very shallow root system. And they're actually pollinated by hummingbirds. So I just want to go and find a patch that's blooming and watch the hummingbirds. Because hummingbirds, in my mind, are just 
next level. They're crazy little creatures. They're so cute. I want, right? Yeah, like they look like they have a personality. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I just, I, I want to tickle them. <laughs> I don't know why, but I want to tickle the flowers. They've got this, uh, we get bumblebees up here that have a little white bum on them. I know, they're so cute. Oh, and they're, they're so, cute. so adorable. And these flowers remind me of our little white bum bumblebees. And they're short. They only grow to like five inches tall. Yeah, super short, tiny, compact plant. And I can't imagine something that short and that little attracting hummingbirds. To me, hummingbirds are, you know, on vining plants up in, you know, the canopy. But nope, they're just hanging out five inches above the ground. So can you like grow these in your house? I don't know. Um, given that they grow in cooler environments, I imagine you probably could in some way, shape or form. Um, Calicularia is actually um, increasing in popularity in garden centers and that. You can get several different ones. They actually really make a really nice basket stuffer. Short, compact plants, you know, part sun, regular water. So it's, I kind of feel like I need to find this one. <laughs> it's really cute. Okay, as soon as we can travel, let's go to South America. I'm in. I, yeah, but I'm not going to smuggle plants. Oh, well, we can just go look at them. Yeah, I, so can I touch the flowers? I mean, you're an adult <laughs> now, so you can do what you want. Okay, cool. So long as I can touch, yeah. I yeah I want to go. I, I touching need to see them, them and smuggling them, I think, are two different things. So they I think really you are. Might be allowed yeah. to touch it. But I want to. Like, I want to see lithops in their environment. So we just have to maybe travel north a bit. All right. So we are doing a world plant tour. Perfect. Oh my god, that Love sounds it. dreamy. Right. I'm in. Sounds so dreamy. My poor husband. Every time we go anywhere on vacation, I'm like, "Ooh, look at the plants." He's like, "You are weird." I'm like, Shh, <laughs> "It's fine." <laughs> I do the same thing when we go to Kelowna for. Um, my wine club and so the whole bunch of ladies will go and uh every time i'm like oh look at this and look at that because it's so different than what we have here just like the mm -hmm. ecosystem there is different yeah. so just see a lot of really cool stuff i was like what is it what is that and you know it's yeah and I'm, there's some beautiful landscaping there i'm pretty lucky because when we go to the island my husband like enjoys the plants as much as i do and like the forest plants and just things that grow there he enjoys it as much as i do so i'm pretty lucky that way yeah, I love all the orchids on Vancouver. Alberta actually has more wild orchids than anywhere else in Canada. But uh, I love the orchids on Vancouver Island. I think they're the white fawn orchids. Mm -hmm. They're so, so pretty. I, that's how I so die, though. There. Like, it's, I, I get eaten by a bear because I'm too busy looking at plants. Yeah. This is how I die. You're a, you're a bear snack. Yeah, absolutely. But remember, going back to the beginning of the episode... You only have to be faster than the people you're with. True. They're very true. Yeah. That's, that's just bear 101. Yeah. Or you have to know how to trip them really well. <laughs> Again, that boils down to being faster than them. Yeah, it's true. true. It's true. Yeah, it's, it's why you carry a pocket knife. I don't have to step. I don't have to fight the bear with the pocket knife. I just have to slow you down. Yep. True. <laughs> true. So if I'm behind you, I can just give you a on the ankle and yeah, there you go. There we go. Yeah. There you go. You'd Done. be, you couldn't do that though. You'd be forced to stop and administer first aid. Yeah, I you would, would. Yeah, that's just how you work. You're wired that way. But I do like to believe that I could trip somebody that's in front of me really fast. Well, I'd be good at it because like I've practiced tripping lots of my life. <laughs> <laughs> if I just stick my foot in front of yours and push you at the same time and then I can run over you. Knowing me, though, if I was getting chased by a bear, I'd make it about four steps before I tripped. 
Yeah, yeah, the me panic, too. Yeah, the panic would set in. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd trip. I, oh. I'm going to be honest. I, I would trip. No <laughs> questions asked. Sue, do you have a weird plant? Well, I was going to do the corpse flower, like the actual corpse flower. Uh, the, what's the Latin on that one? I don't remember it. Amorphophallus titanium. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the one that looks like a giant rotting penis. Yes, and it that part that sticks out mm-hmm. from it is its penis. That's its genital, and it has this like the little skirt around it, little ruffly purple skirt that looks enticing and like hey, beautiful. And then there's the stem sticking out, and it smells like rotting flesh. Ironically enough. It's worse at night on that one. Yeah, it's worse at night. It only lasts, like the bloom doesn't last a whole long, long period of time. I got to see it when it bloomed in Edmonton. Yeah, and so that, that's, was, that's when I went and seen it. The, it was cool. Yeah. The uh, Matar- Mutart Conservatory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which they've renovated and I can't wait to go see it when it opens again. Right. Um, but yeah, it's kind of cool. So I was going to do that one, Um, but Chris kind of covered that with, kind of a more cool one because it's not so known she totally trumped us on the cool factor she did she did so i'm gonna go to a plant that a lot of people probably have had before and that's this segalinella lepidophilia the resurrection plant okay it is kind of a weird plant um a lot of people also call it like commonly known as the rose of jericho yep a lot of times it's bought at Christmas and you put it in a bowl of water and it like starts to soak up the water and comes to life. And it's kind of cool and it opens up and looks like a rose and it's all green and everything. And then you let it dry out and it closes all up into a little ball again and people will pack it away at Christmas and then bring it out for the next year for Christmas. Like commonly here, that's what a lot of people do. Um, it's kind of cool because it's the plant you could kill and bring back to life <laughs> over and over again. And so it is, it's kind of neat. Now, did I look up where it came from? I'm sorry. I did not. Um, because I didn't have time to research things. I didn't look up where it came from. But here online quickly, I just found. It comes from the Chihuahuan Desert. Chihuahuan? Did I say it? And I don't know where that is. Do you know where that is, Chris? She's usually like on it, Googling it as we talk. Well, I was just looking at um, the fact that this plant is an epiphyte. Mm-hmm. I, I can actually, ooh, I like epiphytes. Yeah, I can actually use that yeah. word in like yep. everyday conversation now. So they don't need soil. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I will look up where it's from. Just give me two seconds. You can keep chatting there. And yeah. All. So, it, yeah, it's an epiphyte. You can, I just thought maybe it'd be a cool one to bring up because it is a little bit weird that you can like kill it, dry it out. Like people will store it for years. And then bring it out and put it in water. See, part of me actually thinks that it's not actually alive. I'm like, it just does happy it things. Just gets, when, it when just gets get hydrated. Wet. Yeah, exactly. But it does get greener. Like I had one and it was brown and it died. It definitely died. And it didn't really close up when okay. I dried it out. And it was definitely dead. Because I soaked it in water and then I put it on the counter and just left it. And I also got lots of bright sun from our west window at the oh. time. Um. But yeah, people store it for years. And I'm just like, how cool is that that you can store a plant for years? And I mean, if you're carrying around and have this traditional dead plant and you can, it brings you joy to like have it absorb the water and open up. I mean, still, that's great. But it's just kind of a neat little thing. Did you find out where it was from? Um, Chihuahuan Desert located across the Mexican and United States border. Oh, oh neat. 
So it's like fairly close to us in a sense in the whole wide world. Yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to see them in their natural habitat. I think it would be too. They can get big, like up to Huge. 12 inches. Yeah. Oh, I have yeah. no idea they could get that big. Yeah. And yeah. you can use it as a herbal tea. Oh, neat. I like tea. To treat sore throats really and like colds. Tea. Huh. Apparently. Yeah. Now, please don't go and drink your, <laughs> drink this water. <laughs> I don't actually know, but that's what this website says. Yeah, it so. says it here too, like on its, uh, on there that people drink it. Um, yeah. It doesn't grow very tall. It's kind of like an evergreen. Like I would su- describe it kind of reminds me of like a juniper. Yeah. Well, apparently the seeds are uh, spread by raindrops in the rainy season because they open up in the rainy season and it's raindrops that actually spread the seeds. Oh. So if that's the case, then you'd find them in like great clusters. Yeah. But if you feel like you have a hard time with a plant, maybe try a resurrection plant because... You can be like, oh, did I kill you? And then you can be like, oh, there you are. You know, what's rad is it it comes from the family of spike moss. Yeah. So the name alone, honestly. Yeah, I like like the name (laughs) spike moss. Spike moss sounds cool. Spike moss. Yeah. Which would be tricky because I have to touch moss. I love the smell of moss. Like when we go in the mountains and go hiking and there's like moss and I love it. And I love the smell of it. And so spike moss sounds like it would be tricky because it'd be like, touch me, but it would be pokey. I have no idea what spike moss is. I'm going to try to say that. Saliginella, lepidophila, lepidophila. I'm totally taking a wild stab at that. That's actually a lot of syllables. I took a wild stab at it, <laughs> and I'm the one that usually can't pronounce nothing. You did great. So I did. Yeah, it's kind of a cool little, little weird plant. Not bizarro looking, just its behavior is a little bit bizarre. I think it'd be really great for kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so scenes Chris uh, gave me rather vivid adult images in my head trying to describe her flower. You know what? That's on you. It is. But here here we go. <laughs> I'm just going to I'm going to just throw you guys under the bus and, and see if I can make you blush. Have a quick Google of Dutchman's Pipe. You think you can make me blush? I, I don't know. Well, I can, I, I can at least make you have like the laughy eyes. Not Dutchman's pope. pipe is all Dutchman's, all one word. It does not look like a pipe. That's a Well, Georgia. maybe if you look at it from the one angle, it kind of looks like a pipe. But when you look at it dead on, it looks like a different kind of flower that people refer to as a flower. The Georgia O'Keefe type of yeah, thing just going little, on there. A little bit of, uh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, but, if know, anybody wants to look up dirty plants, <laughs> ooh, that's a, there's an episode that, that, dirty that's plants a whole episode on that I can, yeah. <laughs> can see. Uh, but you know, I mean, to be fair, these are the plants' sexual organs, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. it's interesting that nature kind of reuses these. If you find, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah, <laughs> but it is kind of um, weird how they. They replicate so much human sexuality, I guess. Yeah, but no. Okay, so here's... Parts. Not here's, sexuality, but parts. Here's the question. Do we rec- replicate plants or do plants replicate us? Exactly. Yeah, plants are probably around before us. Exactly. Yeah, I think so. So we kind of we replicate some of the stuff we find in nature. 
Yeah. Um, but it is pretty weird. And if you're ever interested, there's a video on how they um, pollinate uh, philodendron. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nice. It's... Uh, <laughs> It, that will make you blush and feel a little awkward. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> we're going to close on that because we're at our hour. Already? <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess, you know, I'm not even going to go there. Okay. <laughs> so, as always, uh, thanks so much for listening today. What a fun episode. We went like from uh, demure and sweet all the way up to like plant hub. <laughs> there's a website we can start yeah, right I probably already exists but i have safe search turned on oh man yeah that's funny um yeah so thanks for listening thanks for uh your patience with us while we were kind of out of we were on hiatus for a little while there um if you want to hang out with us online we're on facebook uh facebook.com slash fancy plants podcast and on Instagram at Fancy Plants Podcast, you can email social at fancyplantspodcast.com. Any final comments, ladies? Have fun Googling plants. Yeah. And seriously, check up by like binomial nomenclature and like the, I call it the plant wars. Like it's, it can be a really dry read, but it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. And also, I think you like saying binomial nomenclature. Yeah. Cause I, I do. <laughs> I'm still like, I don't even know how to spell it to look at it. (laughs) Sue, any last comments from you? No, just, um, yeah, maybe shoot us a quick message or post a quick picture and tag us in it. If you have a weird plant. Oh, good idea. Oh, yeah. 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 We have to definitely post pictures of our weird plants. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea. Cool. All right, guys. Well, that was awesome. And uh, for you listeners out there. We'll see you next week when we're talking plants. Bye. Bye. Come on, sugar mama. Get your green I love a green color. The fancy plants. Oh, yeah.